Hello, you're listening to the Cassandra Mack Podcast, where we maximize success and de-stress from the mess through a biblical lens. Make sure to hang out until the end. I have a special prayer that I'm going to pray just for you. When you have a moment, stop by the website, CassandraMackMinistries.com. Check out our books, inspirational mugs, hoodies, and t-shirts, all designed with your mental health in mind to inspire you to live your blessed life. Shout out to those of you who are listening from all around the world. Please let me know in the comment section what country, what city, what state, where are you listening from? Happy birthday to all of the July birthday babies. If this is your birthday month, happy birthday to you. Enjoy your birthday. For those of you who sow into this ministry, I want to say a big thank you for those of you who generously sow into this ministry. We could not do what we do without your faithful support and your consistent generosity. And my prayer for you was that God blesses you richly for your faithfulness. So today's podcast is being sponsored by our Boundaries Collection. And so the Boundaries Collection comes as a mug a t-shirt, a hoodie, and it has some positive sayings to help you to remember to protect and preserve your boundaries. All of our merch can be found at CassandraMacMerch.com. Our merch is sold through spring, but it can be found at CassandraMacMerch.com. So on today's episode, we are talking about how to deal with toxic family members without allowing their toxicity to steal your peace. This is going to be done in two parts. Today is part one. Uh, Next episode will be part two. So I'm going to be sharing four tips with you. And so a lot of times what happens is when you have a family member who behaves in a way where they know just what to do to pick, pick, pick at you, to get under your skin, to do things that just trigger you negatively, you may find that you allow them to steal your peace. And a lot of times as believers will say, you know, don't let anyone steal your peace. But it would be more accurate to say not to allow anyone or not to allow ourselves to give away our peace because nobody can really steal your peace because peace doesn't come from another human being. Peace comes from God for the believer. And I want to give you the scriptural reference. So John 14 verse 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so this is Jesus speaking that he gives his peace, he says, my peace I give to you. So the peace of God through Christ Jesus is given to us as believers, it is not peace of the world. And so the world is everybody in the world. And so you, you may not get peace from a narcissistic parent or a manipulative or selfish family member, right? And so the scripture is clear. Peace I leave with you, meaning Christ Jesus, my peace. It is a peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It is the peace of God through Christ Jesus. That is the peace that we can tap into on the inside. That is our inner peace. So that's not going to come from somebody acting the way we want them to act. Because sometimes no matter how much you tell a person what you prefer and what you don't prefer, 
they're going to do what they're going to do no matter who they hurt, no matter who they offend, and they're operating out of their free will, and you, you can't change another human being. They have to want to change. And so what are you going to do? Never have peace. So the peace really has to come from you. It is a place within yourself. This is the best way to describe it. It is a place, the place of God within yourself that you tap into, where you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's internal, right? Where nobody can touch you, tap into you, or reach you. It is inside. It is internal. And so if we understand that as human beings, there are three aspects of us, right? We live in a physical body. And with the physical body, we engage the five physical senses. That's physical. That allows us to engage the earthly plane, engage this world through our sight, our, our sound, our, our touch, our, our taste, our, our hearing. We have a soul. You are not your soul, but we have a soul. And so the soul comes from the Greek word psyche, where we get psychology. And so the soul allows us to psychologically engage the world. It is comprised our soul of the mind, that's where our thoughts reside, our emotions, and our will. Think of the will as the epicenter of your choices. And together, they form the personality, our individuality. So that's the soul. That's how we engage the world psychologically through our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, how we move through the world mentally and emotionally. Then at the core, we are spirit. That is the aspect of our being that is made in the image and likeness of God. That is our spirit. So there's a part of you where you can tap into God's peace, where no one can touch you or reach you. It is beyond the physical realm. It is even beyond the realm of your psychology, so to speak. It is the realm of the spirit. And so sometimes we need reminders. And this is why the scriptures are so important because sometimes we have to remind ourselves over and over and over again, especially when we're dealing with someone who was hell-bent on trying to disturb our peace. And so when you notice that, you got to remind yourself that your peace doesn't come from uh, an individual because an individual may choose to still behave in annoying, frustrating irritating and mean ways and you got to still figure out how do I not hand over my peace to them even though I know they are coming full throttle trying to disturb my peace you got to remember that the peace comes from God there's a peace that surpasses all understanding that comes from God not from mankind so that is the lens through which we're going to understand inner peace because so often people are looking for inner peace from external circumstances and external relationships. That's just, that can't be because it's inner. So here are two tips that will help you to deal with toxic family members without allowing them to eat away at your peace. And it doesn't mean we're not affected, we're human beings, right? So if somebody is being nasty, we're gonna be frustrated. If somebody is trying to get at us, it is going to feel annoying. That's a normal part of the human experience. But there's still a piece that we can tap into even when people frustrate and annoy us. So first, and this is the hardest, you got to accept who they are. You got to accept who they are without, without condemning them for not evolving beyond their trauma, their childhood conditioning, 
and the unhealed aspects of their life. This is difficult. If you are not willing to do this, then you might as well stop listening to the podcast because nothing else I say is going to be helpful. But part of really beginning to do what the Bible says in terms of how the Apostle Paul talks about when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child and I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so there is a point in the life of a believer when we become an adult, right? The Bible uses the word man, mankind. When we become an adult, where it is time to put away childish thinking because it says thought, understood, right? I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. And so this lets us know that the litmus test for spiritual growth and emotional maturity is in our thinking, our speaking, and our understanding, and so when we are young children, you know, our, our parents particularly are our world or whoever the caretakers are. But as we become adults and we begin to have more life experience and see other people's experiences, we realize that our parents and caretakers are flawed human beings. And we begin to realize that the world really isn't fair. We begin to realize that we can't see the world through rose-colored glasses because there's good in the world, but there's also evil in the world. So much so that the Bible warns us about this time and time again, right? That there's evil in the world. It's phrased in many different ways, whether the phrasing is do not be ignorant of the enemy's devices, whether the phrasing is uh, the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour, whether the phrasing is uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, whether the phrasing is... Uh, do not be uh, mocked, do not be mocked, do not be deceived. I'm sorry, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for what a man reaps, a man sows. And so it's phrased in different ways, but the underlying principle teaches us that there is good and evil in the world and that we need to have knowledge, wisdom, understanding, discernment through Christ Jesus to help us navigate this world with wisdom, resilience, and with grace. And so when we understand the world through a mature lens, and I'm talking about a spiritually mature, not necessarily what the world looks at as mature, but biblically mature, I'm speaking to the believer, we understand that we can't make anyone be anything we want them to be. And so when you come with the understanding that no matter how much you may want your mother to treat you and your siblings exactly the same, how are you going to make her do that? How? If you've had 30 or 40 or more years of experience with your mother and she has treated your brother with preferential treatment or your sister with preferential treatment, how are you going to forcibly make her not do that? And so one of the biggest causes of human suffering, and I'm talking about self-induced suffering, is the inability to see things as they truly are versus how we desire them to be. And the quicker we can come to acceptance, and acceptance does not mean does not mean condoning. It means that I am being truthful even if it hurts me to the core about what this situation really is so that I don't perpetually set myself up for disappointment. And so number number 1 is about accepting who they are without condemning them for not evolving beyond their trauma, whatever their trauma may have been, their childhood conditioning, 
and the unhealed aspects of their life. So when you accept people for who they are, it is about being so brutally honest with yourself that you stop expecting you from other people. You get disappointed because you keep expecting you from other people. Well, I'm an honest person. That may be the case, but there's no guarantee that everybody you come into contact with is going to be honest. Well, I'm a person of integrity and I think all people should have integrity. That would be nice, but how are you going to force that? Well, I try not to purposefully deceive anyone and everyone should never ever purposefully try to deceive other people. That would be nice, but is that realistic? Is that realistic that people don't deceive people? And so if we're not using wisdom and we're looking at the world through shoulda and how we think it's supposed to be, rather than looking at it for how it really is, then we don't have the tools to accurately know how to navigate difficult situations and difficult people. But when we could say to ourselves, my cousin is a thief and that's what it is. I accept the fact that my cousin is a thief. And so because I accept the fact that my cousin is a thief, independent of the fact that we are related by blood, I have to respect the fruit. And so the Bible says we know them by their fruit. Do men gather uh, grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? And so... If we know people by their fruit, and fruit is what you produce by way of behavior, actions, choices, and we'll use the stealing cousin, and you have a cousin who stole from you on two separate occasions or three, you could put the number in there, and they didn't only steal from you, they've stolen from other family members, and so you all know that this is what it is, yet you act like you are dumbfounded when they steal from you the fourth time, you are not looking at fruit. You are looking at label of family. Well, it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be my family. My family shouldn't steal from me. You are absolutely right. They should not steal from you. Just like Joseph's brothers should not have thrown him in the pit. But it is what it is. And they did throw him in the pit. Just like there should not have been a murder between Cain and Abel. There's a lot of should not. But when we read the scriptures, we see human nature on display. We see the best of humanity and the absolute worst of humanity. And when we understand that without the rose-colored glasses, we are able to say, you know, cousin so-and-so is a thief. Doesn't mean I got to argue with them about it, but because I know that they are a thief, I have to honor that. I got to honor the fact that I cannot trust this individual with my valuables. I got to honor that. And so it's a piece in that. Because the peace is because I know you a thief, I can't have you in my home. Because I know you're a thief and then you can fill in the blanks of whatever the boundary is that you were going to put in place that you decide works for you pertaining to that relationship. And so when you accept people for who they are, the fruit that they are showing you without condemning them for not evolving beyond the trauma childhood conditioning, unhealed aspects of their life, or purely uh, uh, fruitless, bad choices, that allows you to make peace with who they are choosing to be. You're making peace with how they're choosing to live, and then you're making the decision. You're making peace. This is the ultimate peace, whether or not it works for you and what you're going to do about it. See, there's peace in that. There's peace in 
absolute honesty with yourself and say, you know, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for where I'm trying to take my life because I didn't agree to this. Amos 3.3 says, uh, can two walk together except they be agreed? And because I did not agree to walk my life in the direction of constantly having family members steal from me, this is not going to work for me. So I have to put some checks and balances in place and then you can think through the specifics that you will put in place. But when we accept who people are, Without saying I'm going to invest all my emotional energy on trying to change this grown adult. It's one thing when it's your children because we're responsible for raising our minor children. But once adults decide who they want to be, yes, we can pray for them. We can state our boundaries. We can talk about what we like and what we don't like. But are you going to have 700 conversations about the same issue? Or at some point, are you going to come to the realization that this is the fruit? And until I see a different fruit consistently, I got to honor the fruit that's being produced from this person. God can change anybody, but I can't. That's the key. I, the human being, cannot because I am not the potter. God is the potter and the human being is the clay. God can change anyone, but the individual has to want to change. They have to have a repentant heart. And so when you accept who people truly are based on the fruit that they are showing you and you make up your mind that, you know, this is what it is. There's peace in that because it allows you to work your life in such a way where you are able to honor that this is what it is. And I can't pretend it's not what it is. So that's number one. Tip number two is attached to tip number one. Practice detached compassion. Now, what is detached compassion? What is detached compassion? Detached compassion is detaching yourself from the individual's emotional maturity and their choices that do not align with the compass of your life. By that, I mean this. When you think of a compass, a compass gives you direction. And so if you are taking your life in the direction of more joy, more peace, more abundance, more of God's blessings, doing the work of the Lord, living out your calling, that is the direction that you are, that is the compass, that is the direction you are taking your life in. And you have a family member who makes choices that do not align with the compass of your life. It is detaching yourself from their choices and their emotional immaturity. And so this eliminates gaslighting completely. This eliminates blame shifting completely. So what I mean by that, I want to be very clear. It doesn't mean the person won't try it, but what it means is you won't fall for it. Let me say it again. It doesn't mean the person won't try it, won't try to gaslight and blame shift, but it means you won't fall for it because you've already decided to practice detached compassion. It means I have compassion for the fact that you are dealing with what you're dealing with, that you are in a place where you are not in a good place psychologically, where you are not in a good place mentally and emotionally. And I hope you get the healing you need. I'll pray you get the healing you need, but I can't do life with you right now. So I am detaching myself from your choice 
to bring chaos wherever you go. I am detaching myself from your choice to be a pathological liar. You are not my minor child. I am not responsible for raising you. So I am detaching myself from that. So what that looks like in practice is when you have somebody who says, well, it's because of you that I am so mean to you all the time and I'm just mean to you because you think you're better than me and you keep accomplishing all these goals and I hate you because of it or whatever they say. And so when you make the choice to detach yourself from choices that do not align with the compass of your life, then you don't even entertain conversations that don't align with where you were going. So when the individual says, well, it's your fault that I cursed at you, you don't even get into an argument. You just know the boundary. This is unacceptable. I'm not going to continue this conversation with you. Anything they say after that, I don't even hear you. You're like wind blowing. I don't hear you. You don't need to say that, but that's the stance. It could be, well, you know, the reason I did this to you when you were a child is because, you know, you were just, you, you were just so, you just had such a strong personality and I had to break your spirit because you had such a, you were such a willful child and I had to break your spirit. It is your fault that I neglected you. It is your fault. And you were like 10 when this happened. Do not allow the person to gaslight you. Detach yourself from their inability to take accountability. Detach yourself. Now, this is hard. This is like, I don't know. I don't even have a level for it. But this is like high level self-mastery skills. It is deciding that, you know what? I am not going to invest my emotional energy in your gaslighting and your lies. I'm not even going to try to convince you anymore. If you want to choose to live a lie, it's your life. You can be miserable and have your own private hell by yourself. I'm going to be joyful and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to have peace and there's nothing you could do. So even if you never admit what you did and you lie to the cows come home, you still, you still have no power over me as an adult and you have no power over my peace and joy. See, this is a very, very different stance because what it says is I am not invested in making you see the light. Now I am the light for you to see because of the Christ in me. But if you choose to close your eyes, I'm not gonna forcibly put my fingers on your eyes and make you see. I can't make you see what you don't want to see, but I can choose to live in my light. I can choose to reflect the, the light of Christ where I go. Even God doesn't force us to come to Jesus. It's an invitation. And so I'm going to invite you to resolve this issue. But when I see that you're not interested, I can't invest my energy in that. Because I've got too much living to do. I've got a calling. I've got a purpose. I've got priorities. 
and your gaslighting antics is not on my list of priorities. Your blame shifting behavior is not a priority for me. It's a priority for you to evade accountability, but it is not my priority. So I refuse to engage in the conversation. So that means you get silence from me. I cannot make you not talk, but at the same time, you cannot make me engage. Woo! These advanced concepts, you're going to piss people, you're going to piss people off. People are going to be angry, so I want you to be careful. You, you better make sure you're ready. Because when you practice detached compassion, I am detaching myself from your inability to grow up. You are 40 chronologically, but seven emotionally. I detach myself from your lies. I detach myself. I detach myself from your psychological warfare. I'm retreating. This ain't my fight. This your fight. This is not even my fight. You are warring within yourself. Your members are at war with you. You think you're at war with me because you confuse. But because I understand that the God I serve is not the author of confusion, I have the clarity and the presence of mind to know that this is not my fight. Your gaslighting is not my fight. Your attraction to chaos is not my fight. Your conditioning to drama is not my fight. So I, I, I detach myself. You get nothing out of me. Peace out. Nothing. Now, understand, you are going to upset people to no end because most people know how to deal with someone who will go back and forth in the, in the chaos with them. Most people know how to deal with someone who will go back and forth. Well, I know that you're trying to gaslight me and it didn't happen that way. And, and you're such a liar and you're cr No, no, no. They get none of that from you. They don't even get your tears. They don't even get the privilege of your tears. They don't even get that. They get nothing. If you want to, I see that you're not ready to have an honest conversation about this. God bless you. And go on about your business. I see that you're not ready to have an honest conversation about this. God bless you. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? You don't... They get nothing. You said what you said. I said what I said. They get nothing else. If they get even that. So when you practice detached compassion, you are not invested in the fight. You are really compassionate about the fact that they have not evolved beyond their childhood conditioning. They have not evolved beyond the unhealed aspects of their life. They have not evolved beyond their addiction to chaos and drama. They have not evolved beyond that. I respect that. But I ain't walking with you. Because I ain't agree to that. I respect that. I see you. But I don't agree. I ain't got to fight with you because I don't agree. When I don't, when I don't agree, it means I don't walk with you. Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So because I agreed to walk my life in the direction of peace, and clearly you have agreed to walk your life in the direction of gaslighting, discord, 
chaos and wanting to disturb my peace, we can't walk together. Not right now. Who knows what the future holds? But right now we can't walk together. So that is detached compassion. You really do have compassion. You'll even keep them on your prayer list. But what you're not going to do is disturb my peace. You're not going to do that. If you call me 99 times, you're going to get 99 voicemail. Uh, voice, you're going to get 99 voicemail. You're going to speak to the, you're going to speak to the voicemail 99 times. And so when you are that unwavering in your commitment to your peace, it is going to upset a lot of your relationships. This is why I want to warn you. When we talk about these advanced kingdom concepts, I, I need to warn you so that you know what you're in store for. People don't like the fact that they can't control you anymore. People are not going to like the fact that you won't be a doormat anymore. People are not going to like the fact that they can't trigger you to the degree that they used to trigger you. They're not going to like that. And all hell will break loose because you busting up demons. Your peace is busting up demonic energy. Why would, why would the enemy be happy about that? So don't be naive and think you won't get pushback. But because... You're practicing detached compassion if you choose to. Then you understand that even when you get the pushback, you're detached from it. I said what I said. And so the pushback looks like this. You set a boundary. We'll use the telephone because that's the easy one. You don't take calls after a certain time. You can put the time in there. 9, 10, 11, midnight, whatever the time is. Unless it's an emergency. And you define what an emergency is. And you have this one person who is driven to drama. And they call you every day after whatever the time is. And you have kindly told them your boundary. And then you get pushback. Well, I don't know why I can't call you past 10 o'clock. It's not like that's late. You know, I should be able to call you even if I call you at 11 o'clock. You need to get up for me. And I don't understand. It doesn't make sense because it's not like... Uh, it's not like you have to get up at four in the morning. You don't get up until seven. So whatever the pushback is, right? Because when a person doesn't want to respect your boundaries, they're going to find ways to see if there's wiggle room around the boundary. But that's not your problem. This is what detached compassion says. It says that even when you try to find wiggle room around my boundaries, they don't change. They don't wave because you don't like them. They don't wave because you give pushback. And so let's say that regardless of the fact that you said no calls after 10 o'clock, we'll put that as the time. That they call you every day in a row. I'm sorry, seven days in a row at 11 o'clock. Simply don't answer your phone. Even if they leave nasty voicemails, don't answer your phone. And so you're preparing for the pushback. Even if when they finally catch you on the phone or they finally see you, well, I call you every day at 11 and the least you could do, oh, well, I said I don't accept calls after 10. Well, I think that that is such a selfish thing, but then I guess according to your words, I'm selfish. Now, I'm not saying I'm selfish. I'm saying according to your definition, that's what it is. They're going to be very upset. People hate when they're trying to get at you and you agree with them because it takes the power away because they're hoping by calling you selfish and you can insert the word that they're trying to use to uh, guilt and shame you into backtracking around your boundaries. When you are unwavering, no matter what words they use, they realize that 
they can pull out all the stops and nothing is going to work with you. So they're going to get frustrated. You've got to be prepared. They may even get nasty. So you know the people you're dealing with. And uh, you'll have to figure out the nuances. You know, when we do these podcasts and videos, we're talking to the general public, right? I'm talking to the general public. But for the specifics and the nuances, that's not going to be able to be answered in the podcast or in the video. So if ever you want a one-to-one to really flesh out your situation, you can always look into one-to-one coaching with me. Uh, when you go to the website, CassandraMacMinistries.com. You can click on the link that says coaching if you feel that you need a conversation about your specific situation or you have questions, well, what if this and how do I do that and how do I, that's, that's one-to-one, that's specific. So that would be a coaching session that wouldn't be covered in a video or a podcast because it's very nuanced. But generally speaking, these are the first two of the four tips that uh, I would encourage you to begin thinking about uh, when you were dealing with a family member who... Uh, it's toxic. How to say, you know what? Their toxic ways are not going to steal my peace. So when they try to put me down about the fact that uh, of whatever my job is and they try to belittle my job, I'm not going to let that ruffle me. If they get at me about whatever the situation is, why can't you be more like your brother or sister? I'm not going to let that bait me into an argument. I'm going to have a peaceful time and a peaceful day if I even choose to go. That will be my choice. And if I choose not to go, I'm not going to be pressured into going to a family gathering that is going to make me feel stressed. I'm going to stand on my square. So those are two things you can begin thinking through. And on the the next podcast, the next episode, we'll talk about the other two of the four tips that are really helpful when you are dealing with toxic people. So let's uh, pray. We're going to pray before we close out. If you want to dive deeper into just, you know, being the best version of yourself. And by that, I mean being who God has called you to be according to the scriptures. You may want to pick up the book, Speaking Life Into Your I Am. That is a book of Bible-based affirmation that speaks to who we are as children of the Most High God. And the book takes 25 specific scriptures that speak to our identity And it walks you through the process of why it's important to confess and affirm that scripture, how to affirm that scripture, what does it mean in practicality, and how to show up as that person. 25 scriptures that speak to your identity, that speaking life into your I am, and that'll really help you if you struggle with confidence or self-esteem and you need to build yourself up before you even practice some of the tactics that we're sharing today. I would encourage you to get that book, and it's available at Amazon as well as Barnes and Nobles. A lot of you who are business owners or you have a ministry of your own, a podcast or YouTube, your authors, you know, are always uh, ask, you know, how can you promote uh, leveraging the Cassandra Mac brand? So you can advertise on the Cassandra Mac podcast with a host red ad. To find out more, go to strategiesforempoweredliving.com, strategiesforempoweredliving.com. Click on the link that says Advertising the Cassandra Mac Podcast, and you will find the details from there. Are you a member of the YouTube community? Well, what are you waiting for? Join the membership because there are on-demand courses that are available for members only. There is a level of membership where you get a monthly devotional ebook. There are different perks that uh, are not available to the public and are only available for members. So if you're interested in YouTube membership, simply go to my channel. You can type in YouTube and then my name, Cassandra Mack, 
and click on any video, the join button, and you'll see the three levels of membership. If our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider giving a financial offering. Every bit helps. Also share this podcast as well as our videos with your friends and your family. You can worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time by telephone on our church by phone Sunday service. For more information, go to CassandraMacMinistries.com. So let us close out with a prayer. Dear God, thank you for reminding us that you give us a peace that the world can't give us and the world cannot take away. Help us to put John 14 verse 27 into practice, knowing that peace you leave with us, your peace you give, that you do not give as the world gives, and to help us not to let our hearts be troubled and not to be afraid. We ask, Father God, that you help us to be at peace as far as it depends on us. Help us to not hand our peace over so easily to people who are bent on disturbing our peace and eating away at our peace. Help us, Father God, to practice compassion even when people frustrate us and get on our nerves. Help us, Father God, to be reminded that you are with us and you are for us no matter who is against us. We seal this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Have a blessed week and remember to come back next week for tips three and four of how to deal with toxic family members without allowing them to steal your peace. Bye-bye.